Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Wrap, brought to you by Michigan Medicine Headlines. I'm Dan Elman with the Department of Communication. Today, we'll take a look back at Pride Month by taking a deeper dive into the important work being performed at Michigan Medicine. Before we get into that, be sure you take a look back at any previous episodes of The Wrap you may have missed. Episodes of the Employee Podcast are streamed on YouTube, and audio-only versions can be found on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or any other podcast hosting platform. With that, let's bring in two members of the Michigan Medicine community, Pedro Corasides and Andrew Hickok. First, can the two of you introduce yourselves and explain your roles? Yeah, so my name is Pedro Corasides, uh, UC Hand Pronouns. I'm a project manager in the Office of Patient Experience. Um, if you don't know much about us, our office focuses on patient family engagement. Uh, in my role, I do a lot of work around diversity, equity, and inclusion, uh, specifically as it relates to our patients and our families. And my name is Adrian Hickok, use he, him, his pronouns, and I'm the Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Program Manager for the University of Michigan Medical Group, um, focused on um, gender services, amongst other things, and this is my third week on the job. Outstanding. <laughs> well, welcome. <laughs> Thanks. So now earlier this week, June came to a close, as did the yearly Pride celebrations around the world. Can you tell us a little bit about what Pride Month is? Yeah, so I can take this one. Pride occurs every year around the world, uh, traditionally in the month of June, uh, as a commemoration of the Stonewall Riots. If you don't know much about them, the riots occurred in 1969 at a New York City bar called the Stonewall Inn. Uh, the police raided the bar, a practice that was common throughout the nation during this time, specifically for the LGBTQ community. Um, the patrons at that bar on that night decided enough was enough and fought back. So every year since then, cities around the world come together to celebrate the accomplishments we've had for LGBTQ rights, but also bring visibility to the work that is yet to be done around the world. Yeah. And speaking of the work that's yet to be done and some of the work that is being done, Pedro, can you talk a little bit about what type of work and services the organization is doing in service to the LGBTQ plus community? Yeah, for sure. So there's been a lot of champions of this work over the years at Michigan Medicine. Um, a lot of them have pushed for a variety of initiatives ranging from employee benefits to patient services um, and programs just offered for our entire community. One of the most recent and important things we've done is we've created an LGBTQ advisory committee uh, comprised of faculty, staff, learners, and patients. Uh, the advisory committee meets monthly. It's actively working on initiatives aimed at creating enduring and affirming spaces uh, that promote the health and well-being of patients, families, learners, staff, faculty, visitors, our entire Michigan medicine community. Uh, it's inclusive of all sexual orientations, gender identities, and gender expressions. Uh, in addition to this, we have a really awesome program that Andrew works on. It's Comprehensive Gender Services Program, and I think he could probably talk a lot more about that. So Andrew, can you explain what CGSP is and why it's so important to patients? Yeah, so Michigan Medicine's Comprehensive Gen Gender Services Program is uh, something that's been around for 25 years here at Michigan Medicine, and it's a way for patients to connect to all gender-related services that exist uh, throughout the health system. This program it also exists to ensure that transgender, non-binary, and gender non-conforming patients and family members experience safe and competent gender-affirming care throughout Michigan Medicine. Now, while patients are our top priority, we do a lot of work to educate staff and improve our systems to provide better patient care. For example, we work to ensure that a patient's preferred name and preferred pronouns are displayed in their chart, and we make sure to educate Michigan Medicine staff on how to look for those things in that patient's chart. 
Michigan Medicine and um, Comprehensive Gender Services Program are very importantly, um, we're committed to our non-discrimination policy that we have here at, at Michigan Medicine. And we wanna make sure to reiterate that, especially um, in the light of a lot of events that have been happening lately, we wanna make sure that our patients, families and employees know that folks will not be discriminated on based on their sex, sexual orientation, gender identity or gender expression. Yeah, that's then, outstanding. Yeah, no, I, I want to go back real quick to something that you mentioned, which was that CGSP, it, you know, helps to um, make sure that there's gender affirming care at the University of Michigan. Can you explain exactly what that, you know, phrase means? Yeah, gender affirming care is, is on the most basic level, it's offering care in which we recognize and respect someone's gender identity. We know that folks are coming to us um, with all different sorts of um, gender identities and gender expressions. Um, and our providers aren't expected to know the details of everything, but that we can respect those identities and expressions that folks are coming to us um, as patients with. And to be gender affirming, our team works to make the health system a safe and supporting place for people of all genders. And when needed, um, we offer individualized medical and surgical interventions, mental health care, and patient support that focuses on affirming their gender identities. The scope of care that we offer includes everything from hormone therapy, surgeries, hair removal, voice therapy, and support groups in mental health care. Many transgender and non-binary folks uh, seek out and need gender-affirming medical treatments like hormone therapy and surgery, while others may not, and our providers will work with each individual patient on their journey because there's really no one journey for transgender, non-binary, and are not conforming patients. Yeah, and I think that's so important because so many of those patients typically face a lot of health barriers. Can you two talk a bit about those barriers and how Michigan Medicine is working to overcome them? Yeah, I can start with that one. Um, the, so a lot, a lot of uh, our patients have come to us um, having had negative interactions in other healthcare settings um, and sometimes could have had um, experiences where providers didn't use their preferred pronouns, preferred names, even didn't have an understanding of what that would mean, um, or providers that simply don't know how to work with the specific health needs of transgender, non-binary, and um, gender diverse folks. Um, there's a lot of communities where folks are experiencing transphobia um, in and out of healthcare settings, and it uh, just gives uh, folks a lot of pause in interacting with services. Um, including, including healthcare. Um, and that goes all the way up to the top, including insurance coverage. So a lot of patients may have experienced issues with insurance companies, not paying for gender affirming care or um, requiring some different things that patients just may not have the, the knowledge and literacy to, to figure out. Um, so with CGSP, we have staff that'll work with patients to advocate for insurance coverage for that, these, these types of care. Um, and all of that just compounds on top of other social determinants of health factors that um, these populations uh, experience regardless of their gender identities. Yeah, and health system wide, I think, you know, one thing that we talk about just broadly for LGBTQ community, like we would, you know, any other patient uh, that comes into our doors or any family member for that is uh, how safe do they feel and, you know, can they be themselves and can they talk about what's important to them and their healthcare? Um, and that's one of the biggest things, you know, we feel hear from our patients when we engage with them directly is, you know, can I be open and honest with my provider about who I am as an individual and relate that to what I should be doing to stay healthy as a person? Um, so in a lot of the work that we're doing uh, broadly, just even through our committee, 
um, just that patient engagement, that family engagement, making sure that people know that they can come as they are. Um, diverse family structures where perhaps, you know, the two husbands or two wives together with a child, like family can come in together in a, in a practice setting, clinical setting, um, talk about, you know, overall health um, and the needs that they need and make sure that as a health system we're supporting them. Yeah. The medical field is always changing and even more so for the field of transgender healthcare. Um, and that's why we as CGSP um, are in a constant state of improvement and learning ourselves to know how we can um, get more learning out to our staff and really adjust and be flexible so we can continue to be the leaders in this area and provide our patients the best care and the best experience in you know our clinics here in Ann Arbor and, and all the um, ambulatory care settings um, around the metro area. Yeah, and I think that's so important because I think a lot of faculty and staff want to learn, right? They want to, you know, learn more so that they can provide better care and become an ally. So that actually segues perfectly into my last question, which Pedro, maybe you can touch on this. What can employees do to become an ally to the LGBTQ plus community? I think the biggest thing um, is engaging with LGBTQ folks and helping bring visibility, um, not just to the entire community as a whole, um, but even within the community, those that still, will still, still face a lot of oppression, a lot of stigmas. Um, and so there's a variety of organizations that you can become a volunteer with, um, whether you are part and identify as a member of the community or as an ally, which means that you are in support of that community. Um, in Ann Arbor, there's a Jim Toy Center. Um, if you're closer to where I live in Detroit, there's a Ruth Ella Center. Uh, those are both great organizations where you can become a volunteer, you can serve the community, and learn. And then specifically at Michigan Medicine, um, Office for Health Equity and Inclusion has developed a variety of resource groups. And one of the ones that they have is the LGBTQ resource group. Um, if you want more information, you can email us at medlgbtqresource. So that's M-E-D-L-G-B-T-Q-resource at umich.edu. And we'd be happy to give you more information. Outstanding. Thank you so much, Pedro and Andrew, for sharing this important information. This was obviously a great way to close out Pride Month. If you want to learn more about LGBTQ plus issues, including information on that resource group, go to mmheadlines.org. That's mmheadlines.org. While you're there, you can check out some other great features from this past week. For instance, the team behind Home Care Services and the Michigan Medicine Call Centers were highlighted for the work they've performed over the last few months. Readers also learned about Camp Little Victors, a virtual summer camp for kids that is ideal during the ongoing pandemic, and faculty and staff were given firework safety tips to keep themselves safe during the holiday weekend. Find those stories and much more at mmheadlines.org. All right, it's time for the weekly trivia contest. Last week, we asked listeners, when did the Michigan Hospitalist Program in Chelsea see its first patient? The answer is June 9th. Congratulations to Beth Jones, who sent in the correct answer. Beth, a member of the Department of Communication, will be in touch shortly to help you claim your prize. Now let's put on our history thinking caps for this week's question. During our discussion on Pride, we learned about a riot that marked the celebration of Pride. What was the name of this riot and what year did it occur? You can find the answer by rewinding this episode and once you know it, send it to headlines at med.umich.edu for the chance to win a prize. Thanks again, Pedro and Andrew, for joining us today. And as always, thank you to all of our listeners and viewers for everything you do for patients, families, and each other. 
Have a wonderful, safe, and socially distant 4th of July, and we'll see you next week.